All right. So let's start with Colossians chapter 1. We are going to read from verse 13, and then we'll read all the way to verse, um, which verse 20, right? Yes, to verse 20. And then when we are done with that, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 10, and then we'll read from verse um, 6 all the way to verse 16. In both of them, we are speaking of the glory of the Lord Jesus. Please read it loudly from the bottom of your heart. We want to use it to establish the kingdom of God in the atmosphere around us. Are we ready? All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Let's go. We rescued us from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 10, from verse 6, 1 to let's go. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Bidding silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Ophers. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. At his wrath, the earthquakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, as a turmoil of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, the void of knowledge. Every ghostsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery, and the time of their punishment they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. We've just described the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. You deserve the glory, Jesus. Amen. You deserve the honor. Amen. We lift our hearts before you and say, indeed, Christ Jesus, you are the King of kings. Amen. You are the Lord of lords. Amen. You are the one that died for our sins. Amen. You went to the cross on our behalf. Amen. You died for our sake. Say amen if you believe that. Amen. Jesus, you rose again on our behalf. Amen. 
And when you rose again from the dead, you picked us up with you. And we rose again with you. Now we have been set free from sin. We have been set free from the kingdom of darkness. Sin will no longer have dominion over us. Everyone who has declared your lordship, Lord Jesus, sin will no longer have dominion over such a person. In the name of Jesus Christ. The consequence of sin will no longer have dominion over that individual. We have declared your lordship this evening. We say it again, you are the king of kings. You are the lord of lords. You are the savior of mankind. You are the savior of our souls. You are the soon coming king. And we say it, come Lord Jesus. We say it, come Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus we have declared. Before we take our seats, let's quickly take our declaration of the understanding that we know he will give to us today. If you believe he will speak to you, give me an amen. Amen. And declare accordingly. One, two, let's go. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 The Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. Let's get into our message for this um, evening. All right, let's open our Bibles. Today we are going to continue looking at um, no more foreign gods. Is the thing we have been discussing for some time. And um, of course the purpose of all of it is to dethrone every foreign god in our lives. It is the person you worship, you become like. And the destiny of that god is your own destiny too. He said that all the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth, they will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. And when they are going to perish, those who follow them are going along with them. That's why God has to remove every foreign god out of your life and out of my life. I said it before, God is, he loves us, amen? Say amen if you believe that. But this is the interesting part. Even though he loves us, he doesn't tolerate nonsense. I hope you are getting my point. He doesn't. If God loves you, if there's a part of your life in which you are not obeying his precepts, you will not be blessed in that area. No matter the amount of love he has for you, listen to me, no matter the amount of dedication you apparently show to him, you will not be blessed in that area. Please, it's so important we get this point. What he does is to suspend judgment. What it does is to keep that area in a kind of freeze so that terrible calamity will not come upon you there. But the first thing he does when he wants to bless you is to correct you. He never blesses disobedience. No matter how much, um, how do I say it, explanation you have for your disobedience, he never blesses it. You know, we human beings, we like to give excuses. We are very good with excuses. If they say do something, we can't do it. Once we have a story to tell, there's a kind of justification we have in ourselves. 
I don't know whether you get what I'm saying. Listen, you excuse me, we hold judgment from you, but we never bring a blessing. If God says do this, and you don't do it, and you go and explain why you did not, he may, I said may, no guarantees, he may suspend judgment, but if that thing had the blessing attached, he will never get it. Keep on telling stories. The more the number of stories you tell, the more delay for your blessing. And the problem with stories is that it gives a sense of comfort. You don't realize that you should... Listen, the kingdom of God suffers what? Aggressive pursuit. You will fight your own excuses. That this is excuse, I will kill you. Because even though I'm not being judged, which is what a lot of people don't understand when they are preaching some of this, what has now become known as hyper grace. They don't realize that no matter how much God does not punish you, he can't bless you. Why do you want to go through life not being blessed just because you will not be punished? I hope you're getting my point. Assume you work in an office, assume you made a career out of a particular profession and you work, and they say, arrive, work at this particular point and do this, and you don't do it. They give that instruction, arrive at this point, do this, and then leave at this particular point. Every time you have a story to tell on why you can't do it, you know what happened? They will never promote you. They may not sack you. You will never be promoted. Unless you work, of course, for what nobody checks anything, you know, civil service. Everybody just, I don't know whether you're getting the point. Uh-huh. Unless you are doing that. But proper companies, they can be hearing your stories, though. Promotion time? No way. You can show them certificate that I was sick. I was living, they will even come to visit you. They will leave, your boss will even donate blood. Promotion? Forget it. Nobody promotes you because your, the reason why you were not productive made sense. I hope you're getting my point. So it is with the Lord. He may not judge you for your disobedience, but he will never. I've said that thing so many times. You should know it by now. He never blesses disobedience. David, a man after God's heart, never understood the joy of marriage, never understood what it meant to have a quiet family. A man after God's heart. His home was full of rancor, jealousy, anger. He ne- there are certain parts of this life that David never experienced. As much as God loved him, God will swear, you know, like, by him, like, we're not for my servant David. This you have done, I will have shown you paper. But I remember my servant David. That's how much God loved him. That's how much they had the relationship. At the age of 70, David was tired. He was weak. He was sick. He was sickly. He was so frail. In their cold weather, he couldn't keep himself warm. He was frail. Just before that, he went to battle. And one useless giant almost killed him. These men had to retire him from battle. Something you could not do to Joshua. Something you could not do with Caleb. <laughs> Why? In all this love for God, the areas of his life where he did not make the right adjustments, he could not be blessed in those areas. He couldn't be. So if we, if, because what happens in many parts of our life, I, like I've said it many times, life is, you know, there are so many compartments. Just like David, in ruling the kingdom, he was good. In worship, he was excellent. In prophesying, he was impeccable. You know, David was a prophet. 
The Bible testifies that he was a prophet, and his Psalms, full of prophecies, one of the ones we read here all the time to de- declare the glory of Christ, Psalm 2, was the Psalm of David. Impeccable in that area. His judgments, no flaw. Get home, David couldn't rush him to go and rest. He couldn't. He was trouble at home all the time. One son is rebellious. You think Absalom learned rebellion as an old man? You think Amnon started that rubbish behavior after he attained puberty? No. These are things he did from childhood. The house was a mess from the beginning. Yet God loved him. What am I going to say? We have a duty to remove those different compartments of life. Anyone in which we have other gods, we will not be blessed. People think Christianity is about making it to heaven. Oh, you will get to heaven. Don't worry. You know the truth? Getting to heaven is the easiest thing for a child of God. All you need to do is give your life to Christ. Make sure you're baptized and you jump from this building. When you reach the ground, you don't die, be. Trust me, you are going to heaven. He said, ah, but God will punish you for ending your life. No, I don't think so. He will take you to heaven. You can even pray hard that Lord take me. And he will. After a while, he'll just say, he don't do. Bring him. Going to heaven is not hard. We are not laboring on this earth so that we can make it to heaven. Heaven is not one uniform place. They are strata there. Do you get my point? If there was none, why are we having a judgment throne for believers? If everything was just the same, why is there a judgment throne for believers? I hope you're getting my point. So some people then like, as if God will never, you know, I hear those arguments all the time. I don't want to get involved with, although the fact is that if you misbehave properly and you deny the Lord Jesus Christ, he will wipe out your name from the book of life. Nobody should lie to you that he doesn't do that. Because if he never did, why would he threaten it? If it was not a possibility, why is he a threat? Think the Lord is stupid? To him that overcomes, I will not erase his name. The, one that, the ones that don't overcome, what will happen? I will, I will laminate their name still. Of course. I mean, it's common logic. But I don't want to go into that. I believe these are extremes. But why I don't like those arguments and those discussions is that it looks like that is what we are fighting for. It looks like that's what we are attaining. So that one day, our name will not be erased. Then after I have lived uselessly, some of the people that preach this gospel, if you see how uselessly they live, what pains me is that many people, many people are following them they are not doing as badly as they are. So they're not thinking, they don't know. You are following crazy people who cannot put the flesh under, who the loss of the flesh have control over them. They are the ones you are following. You don't know what they are doing. You think they are discussing scripture? No. They are pacifying their conscience. A man has lived in adultery for the last 10, 15 years and is preaching the gospel. He has refused to change. He has not changed his ways. His conscience will not let him sleep. Then one day somebody gives him a good message that says that, don't worry, God is not checking. If now you know, go believe. You say you would like to believe now to give yourself comfort. They are seeking comfort. And let me pray for you. May you never have that kind of comfort. Amen. Because when you are hiding in sin, you are looking for trouble. I mean eternal trouble. But what I'm going to emphasize is that, look, that's not our own focus. Our own focus is, listen, this life that God has given us, we must live it to the fullest of satisfaction for him. We must fully, no, Paul, after everything, he said, what am I looking for that I may know him? Now, that will give you a, you know, a sense of perspective of, I mean, think about it. Most of us who are listening to this have never lived for the Lord as Paul did. Yet the man is still saying, I'm looking for something. I want to experience the power of his resurrection. With everything that I've done, I've not, I've not attained it yet. He said it himself, it's not like I've already attained 
but I forget the things that are behind. I keep on pressing. And you see people want to be comfortable. Instead of pressing, they want to be comfortable. Say, God loves you. Don't worry about it. Did I ever tell you I did not know it? I knew that. I'm saying love or no love, we must strive for perfection. We are saying love or no love, we must become everything he created us to be. We are saying love or no love, there are certain parts of his power that we must manifest for our generation. That's what we are saying. Not giving ourselves consolation in that no matter how much iniquity we walk in, there's no trouble. Back to where I began from. Any part of your life you don't judge other gods in, the day of their judgment, God will not say because he loves you so much, you will not participate in it. You will absolutely and most certainly participate in that judgment. If God says don't lay up treasure on the earth, and you lay up your own treasure on the earth, when the banks will collapse and Bitcoin will go to zero, don't think your own will not go. It will. No, God doesn't. He doesn't. He said, look, it will go. And sometimes it doesn't even bother him. It's not even like, uh, uh-huh, I tell you, I will punish you. To him, it's not in his money. If you are pleasing to him, you lose 50 million in the bank when it collapses, he gives you 100 million next week. If you are not pleasing to him, he leaves you there to mourn. You'll be going to court every day trying to... <laughs> you do like those people in Aaron. You'll be carrying chair from the bank to go home and see if you can sell chair and recover 50 million. When Aaron collapsed that time in America, workers were going home with furniture because they told themselves they were millionaires. Aaron had pumped, you know, pumped the news around them so much, the stock price was going through the roof. So young guys working in, the, in, in Aaron felt they were multi-millionaires, worth $2 million, $3 million. They woke up one day, and they were not even worth enough money to buy newspaper. In frustration, as they were going, to, going home, they were carrying office furniture. And police did not talk. Aaron bosses did not speak. So this one you are carrying furniture now. What will he do for you? Millionaire yesterday, furniture owner today. <laughs> and when I say furniture, I don't mean the guy something big. Is the chair was sitting on, and the table was sitting on, because the guy next door is also carrying his own. But if you are, listen, with God, God doesn't stress Himself to preserve your cash. You know why? It's nothing. He can get another one anytime. He can get you more cash anytime. Like I was reading for my kids this morning. Where do we read Second Chronicles chapter what? The one we read this morning. Was it 26? No, first verse 16. They were now went to, is it 25 or so? Uh-huh, 25 or 26. There about, yeah. Second Chronicles 25. And Messiah said to the man of God, What shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? The man of God answered, The Lord has much more to give you than this. Because he made a bad investment that displeased the Lord. So the Lord said, Walk away from the investment. He said, But look at the amount of money I have placed in, in it. Amazar said, how much? Say 100 talents. God can give you much more than that. He has made an alliance that displeased the Lord. And the Lord sent a prophet to come and correct him. He said, like, I have paid these people so much money. Now, what I'm trying to say, listen, any part of our lives we don't remove other gods, that part will come under judgment eventually. Let me remind us again. Okay, let me quickly say this. When I said it last time, just like I said it again. Any part of our lives where we are disobeying God comes automatically under a curse. The S you are working on at that point in time is cursed once you are disobeying God. Bear it in mind. The S at that point is what? Is cursed. You should bear it in mind. Now, 
What we have to do, therefore, is to erase. I said to us before, the world presents idols, but not images. They present other gods as worldly systems. And last time we began to look at dethroning mammon. And I'm going to continue on that issue today, dethroning mammon. Incidentally, that is about the most important part of our lives. I would think so. It's about the most important part, the major part of life that the world has presented an alternative to God for us. I said it last time, one of the major problems human beings have is the fact that they don't understand that God is followed holistically. That is, you follow him entirely. For example, the world today wants to follow the God that answers prayers, but not the God that instructs them in what to do. I don't know whether you get my point. Yes. They want a God that will protect me on my journey, but who will not decide where I should go? That's what they want. I'm going to where I shouldn't go, as far as it's concerned, but let's not talk about that. You are the protector. Protect me. So that if... <laughs> it's crazy. Do you know even frosters have pastors that pray for them? I hope you know it's true. They do. And there are pastors that actually do it and I had to justify to themselves, beats me. But you see, once you are following money, mammon can tell you anything. How they justify it to themselves is amazing. And if people will come, commit crimes, and then tithe on the money. Sometimes they tithe ahead. They pay God, you know, like advance payment. Lord, we are supposed to make like $2 million from this deal. Here is your own $200,000. I had one pastor once. Now, some of these things I refer to, just so you understand. Why I tell some of these bad stories is that some people who are listening to me are involved. And they can hide away from these things until I say them directly. And so that sometimes when you encounter them, you know how to correct them. And when you offer some of these things, you know how to run away. There's a particular pastor I heard of. He was remarking about another false or a prophet. Actually, in this city, one of those false prophets who we know they are false. You know, some prophets are false. If you don't know me, I know. Because people sometimes want to challenge me and tell me that I'm mistaken. Yeah, you see, I know I will sound arrogant. But when you know, you know. Can we say it like that? Jesus came and said, I'm the bread of life. Was he bragging? He said, that you are the bread of life or you are not the bread of life? If you are the bread of life, let us know. The rest of us can't say it because we are not. I will never tell you I'm the bread of life because even me, I'm still looking for bread to eat. I cannot be bread of life. But if I tell you the words I'm uttering to you, they are the words of Jesus Christ and they are the, they are the bread of life. Believe me, I would not equivocate at all. I will not try and say, let me not sound arrogant. Call me arrogant is your personal problem. In the same manner, when I see a false prophet, I usually know. Not all the time, but if I tell somebody is false, Believe me, he is. I don't say it lightly. Some people think I say it lightly. Because I don't like... Many true prophets, I don't like them. But does it matter? Were they ordained for me to like them? There are some genuine prophets. When I see the way they dress, I say, do you think you're a musician? <laughs> but that's my own problem. Are you getting my point? It's my problem. It's not his problem at all. I see some genuine prophets, they dress and we look like, Pastor, are we in show business? But you know, it's my problem. And you will never hear me discuss such things, really. Anyway, let's get back to, <laughs> to the issue. So there's this joker in town. 
Many of you here know it, but because we are streaming, I would have loved to tell you the name, but you know we are streaming. Don't want to. And one reason I don't want to popularize people. Listen, that boy hmm, is dishon- is a liar. He's not a Christian. He's a Babala that wears suits. He's not born again. I hope you get my point. <clears throat> he uses um, the divination spirit. I mean, there are places, what I want to tell you is it's not a joke. It's a, it's a truth, okay? I heard it from a credible man. You don't doubt the man. He said one day, this, our guy, even if it's a program, but he forgot to pack up adequately. You want to tell him, they don't go here. The church that came next to use the place had to call another pastor to come and help them essentially exorcise the place. They opened places they saw calabash with blood and people's business cards inside. So when I call some people fake, don't think I'm joking, no. So please, can I just, you know, I, I know where I went to do that too, and I'll get back then, but I'd like to say many things to help people. The fact that you're a false prophet does not mean you're a wicked person. You can be a nice person and still be a false prophet. I hope, I hope I get my point. Because so many arguments we want to use is that uh, the man is nice, he used to give food to the poor. doesn't mean anything. Go and, go and read the story of Mafia Dons. Many Mafia Dons, they are very good family men. Their children will not believe that my father kills people. They will take care of their wives, spoil the woman silly, take care of the children, give the children the best. Will never raise their voice in their homes. When I was in university, I had a was it my classmate? Yes, it was my classmate. It was when he was rusticated and he was in a cult. He was too nice. Ah, hey, Banky, how now? There was nothing I asked him for he did not give. Because he had some things. Like, I remember he had a very beautiful camera. So, when Felicia wanted to do something, I said, oh, I'll ask my guy. I did not even know he used to lend the camera out for money. He would give it to me free of charge. He said, you know, you Christians, now you can't hurt a fly. He used to use those words for me. It was the day they gave him seven years rustication. I knew he was in a court. I, I wanted to argue. The woman who rescued him died yesterday. I don't want to start that gist. All the boys ran away from my school. You know, he, the woman was, she knew how to drive the nail in and twist it. He rescued one guy two weeks to graduating as a medical doctor. And rescued him for seven years. Dismissed one guy after graduating from one beautiful course in science. Dismissed him and backdated by one year. His final year is not on record till today. Ah. I thought she was done. Everybody on campus was walking like this. <laughs> this is my classmate. So nice. So when I tell somebody is a false prophet, I don't mean that he'll be, he'll be wicked. Though. Some of them, they are false prophecy does not even allow them to commit adultery. They've removed their manhood as payment for power. And I'm not joking about it. Yeah, they are false prophets. They're all over the place. Don't let the man's niceness come and deceive you. So he gives food to the poor. Mafia dons could give food to the poor. That is, I, I saw one um, story that time, true story about one, Amer- one black American mafia guy. Every Christmas is there sharing food in the black neighborhood, giving them food. Everybody could bring their troubles to him. But cross him, he will fry you alive. 
You didn't have your time because where he was doing his business, mean to the core. Skin people alive, didn't have any compunction about it. But if he's to hand out chicken, what's the big, the human beings are funny. You give rice to the poor. He says, prove that you're a man of God. Every mafia done is in heaven, if that's the case. What's the point I'm making? Okay, I'll tell you the story. So this particular man said that uh, he knows this man is false. So that is a false prophet, so he knows. So. But if he brings money, I will collect. But if he brings, the guy will greet him, Daddy, he said, just bring the offering. They can go and be doing your falsehood after. You are collecting. Why are we trying God now? Why are we begging him to judge us when he wants to judge iniquity? Why are we begging him? Please, let's be careful. God will judge that part of our lives when he's judging other gods if we do not remove the other gods. We must be aggressive. That's what I'm going to emphasize. It's aggressive pursuit. It's aggressive pursuit. Looking at mammon is a part of life where the biggest God, the biggest, let me borrow the word for a moment, antichrist has been presented to us. That's the part of life. Financial part of life. Because that's where basic sustenance is. But in that place, we must still dethrone other gods. It's crucial. We must not let Satan catch us. Just by the way, he's looking for us every day. He doesn't give up. We have to continue to pursue God aggressively every day. It's the only way. You can't be fighting the devil. People wake up every day trying to fight the devil. It's not necessary. Pursue God, you'll continue to lose. It's a humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil, the next line. You cannot resist him except you are humbling yourself. That is how you resist the devil. It's by humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's resistance. So you don't have to worry about the devil directly, even though I said he's pursuing you every day. Just ask yourself, am I growing daily? Peter said it, that be careful that you do not fall into the error of unprincipled men. What is the solution? Grow in grace. Second Peter chapter 3. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. Every day you must aggressively pursue the knowledge of God. You must be a better person in knowing God today more than you did yesterday. When we finish this series, I want to, well, if God allows us, one thing I want to teach on again is that aggressive pursuit of God. I want to teach on it again. How to pursue Christ. Paul said that I may gain Christ. I've counted all these things as dung. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own. There was something he was pursuing. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. He wasn't saying there's something he had already accomplished. It was a, an everyday pursuit for him. Let's get back there again. Because when we do that, we are safe. Young man would ask me a question once because I take questions when I go out to preach. And maybe we should do it one day, one Saturday, one Saturday here like this. The way you are nodding, it looks like you get questions, Abby. So one day, I went to preach somewhere in Anambra, and he asked a question that I talked about Delilah and all of that. And how Delilah comes into people's lives. And I told the, I mean, what I taught then, I think, I don't know whether I wrote the book before or after, but you can find it in the book, Beyond Gifts and Talents. And I said, Delilah comes every, to everybody's life. And the young man said, so question time, please, how can I know my Delilah? I said, you don't need to know her. Of course, we all agree that Delilah is not a woman. 
is a spirit. For Samson, it was a woman that carried the spirit. So we have given that name. We borrow her name and given to the spirit so that we know what we are talking about. Delilah is that killer of destiny. Is that thing that comes to give you pleasure while stealing away the spiritual substance that matters in your life. So Delilah comes different ways, we said. So the young man said, how will I know my Delilah? I said, you don't need to worry about the knowledge of Delilah. That something felt, Delilah will come, you can't help it. Delilah comes all the time. God does not stop Delilah. He helps Delilah to come. He sends Delilah sometimes, himself. He said, the problem is if your strength is small. He said, if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I hope you're getting my point. So I said to the young man that day, don't worry about Delilah. Build up your strength. Delilah came to the life of Abraham. They didn't get him. Delilah may have come to your life several times. And they couldn't get you. And next time you come back with stronger Delilah. The first one was a juvenile Delilah. Next time they will bring adult Delilah for you. God says, listen, just prepare for that day. And most of the times you overcome Delilah. Do you get me? You would not even know she came. You won't even know she came because your strength was good. You will withstand Delilah without even knowing she came. Some of the Delilah experiences would for you be like a joke. When you narrate, you like, can you believe what that guy was telling me? It must be out of his mind. But you just passed the spiritual test. They'll come to you and say, Pastor, this is how your church will grow. When did you start? Six years ago. And you are still 25 in number. This guy started three years ago. How many are they now? 200. There's something they are using. And I know it. That's what I've come to tell you. Let me help you out. You look at the person. Yeah, go ahead. Say, you follow me somewhere. Say, you're not serious. (laughs) Let me not say anything. The Lord rebuked you. Let's just leave it like that. Follow you somewhere. I thought you would give me a book on how to study the scriptures. I thought you would give me a book on how to pray. I thought you would give me a book on how to fast and hear the voice of God. I thought you would educate me, give me a series of messages on how to know what God wants me to do, on how to correct myself so that I will know why my ministry is not growing. You want to carry me somewhere? The Lord rebuked you. That's all I can say. And to you, do you know it's nothing? But that was Delilah. And Delilah will say, okay, he said, thank you, don't worry. I just wanted to help you. Say, I don't need that kind of help. Sounds so subtle. Not a big deal. You probably think it was a silly human being that came across your path, but just passed the test. You may be broke. And they said, look, just fill this form. It will say that you, you carried fuel. You didn't carry fuel. We will pay you. So why were you paying for fuel you did not carry? I thought you said you were broke. We just want to help you. Just draw 50% for us. And you will laugh. Say, bros, I don't do that kind of thing. That's not my way. I will wait for God. Say, this man, you're not a serious person. Say, yes, I always knew I wasn't serious. In fact, thanks for confirming it for me today that I'm not serious. For you, it's not a big deal. Do you know why? Your strength is so high spiritually, you did not even consider it a temptation. There are things I don't consider temptations. Some people say temptation. I say, which kind of temptation? I don't want to start telling you stories to make you laugh. I I have a lot of messages to preach for today, so let's not go there. Some things I've experienced, temptation. One day, one girl did something in my office. You know, told me some things, talked like this, asked for things, whether I could help her with this money. So I was telling my colleagues later, I said, is this girl all right? Why would I give you money for what? They were laughing at me. I said, yeah, why are you laughing at me? She's the one you should be laughing at. They said, no, guy, you don't understand. 
They say it's an offer. It's an offer for what? They say you're supposed to ask, what do I get in return? I say me. Ask who? I'm sorry. I may sound proud. Even if I'm, even if I ate and he goat, you're not my level. If I want to chase woman, I'll go home. I chase the one I married before. Even if I decrease, I want to go out. You're not my. You look like you're not wet. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I thought she was an abnormal human being. Sorry, I, I, I know I sound arrogant, but so when they say as a temptation, how can you call that temptation? Even God couldn't count that as Banky passed this one. You know, there was another temptation. God will not even count it as Banky. Yes, you're my boy. You passed. I said, Lord, please, <laughs> is that supposed to be a joke? Could I have failed? Temptations are called temptations because they are what? Yes. It was not tempting. <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting my point. It was not tempting. If it was tempting, then I call it what? A temptation. If it's not tempting, I don't consider it a temptation. Like I said, maybe I sound arrogant. I don't know. Again, choose. How did I get there? Delilah. Okay, I, I, I know what I'm going to say. So I was just saying something that some temptations will come. Delilah, you know we're talking about Delilah's. And you won't even know you were tempted. Why? Strength. The strength of God. Not your own natural strength. So don't forget that. Not your natural strength. The strength of God in you has been built to a level you don't consider some things temptations. I was overpaid money some time ago. And now when you tell me, look, guys, this is an overpayment. Ah, the man said he wanted to come and see me. I said, what is it? He said, there's no problem. I don't need to return. I should just give him half. I wanted to give him a knock on the air. What do you call give you half? Even if he wanted to steal. The record of who had the money is me. And I will now give you half. Are you all right? <laughs> you know, let me tell you something. In life, eh, there are some things God will just say, Banky, use common sense. You're not supposed to fall for that. If you just have ordinary common sense. If you wanted to eat the money, I give you 10%. Are you mad? If he comes in three years, time, would it, can I mention your name? Because you won't take a check from me. You won't take bank transfer. You will say I should give you cash. So you will deny me and say you have never seen me before. And I will now give you half. Now if I want Chris, may I Chris properly, I beg. Don't be like that. <laughs> you know, sometimes you some things that people do it like, are you all right? If you want to sin, why don't you let God know why you sin? He will now consider forgiving you. Not that he will punish you for stupidity on top of your iniquity. <laughs> you know, the people that go, when God is beating some people, he says, Lord, forgive me. He says, no, because I'm not beating you for sinning. I'm beating you for being stupid. <laughs> I'll get to my message in the moment. I know how I'll get to my message. I just want to see what I'm trying to say. Ah, Chooks. Can you help me this time around? I, I, I remember, I wanted to test you. <laughs> Yes, he overcome, okay? Now, but how we got there in the first place, we'll find out in a moment. I was saying, how you resist is to continually what? Grow. You continually grow. So many of those things will come, you won't even know they came. I hope you're getting my point. Remember, you must remove every God out of your life. Because the day of the judgment of those gods will come. Listen to this prophetic word. In Nigeria... The judgment of corruption will come. There's a God called corruption. I hope you know that. There's a spirit. There's a spirit. The judgment is coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Anyone that will not purge his life is going with with, with that spirit. 
And you know what? God gives us time. You know why God gives us time? Why he gave us time? Time as an entity. The primary purpose of time is repentance. Time was given us so we can change. The reason why God gave time generally is for the purpose of change. For example, you, you lay eggs as a butterfly. It needs time to hatch into the lava. It needs time to become what? The pupa. It needs time for metamorphosis to occur and it becomes a full butterfly again. Process takes time. That's what God did. He gave time to a child to grow from being an infant to an adult. Spiritually, that's what he does also. Time is given to us for regeneration of our spirits, for development of our spiritual character. And so he said concerning that woman called Jezebel, when he was writing to the church, the church's revelation, he said, I gave her what? Time to repent. If you see the, the, the judgment of God delayed, it's because he said, I don't want to judge anybody, actually. If anybody will repent, the person will be free from the judgment. So somebody does iniquity for a year, for two, for three. We keep praying that God needs to judge iniquity. God says, I've given them time. And some of these prayers we are praying on Tuesdays, they have become amplified. Do you know why? Time is running out. Once you begin to see prayer in the direction of divine judgment and prophetic words concerning divine judgment coming forth, it's a spirit. It's the spirit of God that's pushing it out. It's pushing it out. What that is implying is that time is running out. Time is running out. Because one thing is that once that time runs out, even, listen to what I'm going to say. Please don't misunderstand this. When time runs out, even if judgment has not begun, repentance does not count anymore. Do you know what I say? Listen. By the time judgment begins, usually the time for repentance has gone. That quiet season before divine judgment, that quiet season before Jesus comes back, is a time for repentance. The moment he appears in the clouds, there's no prayer you want to pray that you'll be forgiven. I hope you're getting my point. He gives us time. He gives us time. Time is given for the purpose of change. Time is given so we turn around. Let me say it to us again. You know, it is not true. Some things that we preach as Christians, as if you give, then God will supply in abundance. Then you give a testimony. And that person will go and give so as to connect with that abundant supply. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Let me tell you, amongst believers, this is what God does. Before he starts doing that kind of miracle, he closes the door first for that generation. He closes the door. What he does, first of all, is that if he wants to multiply in quotes that you you give, you get back abundance, he doesn't multiply for anybody first. He just teaches you how to give. He keeps teaching. And that's why I preach the way I preach. I don't... This motivating people that give so you can collect is the reason why they will never be blessed. They will not be blessed. They will keep giving for a wrong motive. When Jesus comes back to pour abundance on gifts that people gave, he can't bless them because I checked their heart. They never give, they invested. So when there is no reward, he sends instruction. I hope you're getting my point. There's no reward, but he does what? He sends instruction. And he makes it clear to you, this is the path of righteousness. Walk in it. Why should you be perfect? 
Because it brings results. True or false? False. Why should you be holy? Because it brings you abundance. False. Why are you supposed to be perfect? Give me the reason. Your heavenly father is perfect. That's all. The reason why you are righteous is because of the righteousness of God. The reason why you are holy is because the Lord your God, your father is holy. But many of us, what do we want to do? Want to be holy because when you are holy, you get a good wife. When you are holy, you get a good husband. When you are holy, your company will grow. The motivation God gave us for holiness is the holiness of God. That is, how can we continue in sin? Sin that he has given this amount of sacrifice on our behalf. Is that not an insult to him? The motivation for believers to do what is right is very noble. And the simple motivation is, our Heavenly Father is holy. Our Heavenly Father is righteous. We must be children of this Heavenly Father. That's all. Now, this interesting part. When you learn that and you are persuaded based on that, when the time now comes for him to pour abundance, for, for example, gifts that people give, offerings that they give, he pours on those, those people and they, now listen to this, they never connect the two. They will not say, ah, I give 500,000 and God gave me 500 million. They will never connect. They will keep on saying God is good. God is wonderful. God supplies. He's a great God. They won't think, ah, you see, we gave. Now we are reaping the fruit. How do I know? He said, I will say to them, I was hungry, you fed me. What would they say? When were you hungry and we fed you? They don't connect the two. And I'm going to get get there in a moment. And as I say it all the time, the key to the release of the power of God is the continual doing of good works. I went to that. You know, let, let me just get, quickly get back to the reason why I want you to do that one, just to instruct believers. That when judgment is going to come, it comes with one, it's just warnings. Warnings. It will be declared. Once it comes, most likely the door for repentance is gone. So I'm saying to believers now, you will stop corruption, you become broke. Nobody's promising you that if you stop being corrupt, you now become rich. Many times that's our motivation. One woman was one that God used to just show me that thing that is wrong for believers. She said, that why do you... I, I, it was a clip. She was teaching somewhere in Lagos. That why do Christians think that if they do what is right, they will prosper for it? He said, no. We do what is right because we are Christians. It's not because of what it brings. If it brings what the world calls results, fine. Whether it brings it or not, what is right is what is right. And I cannot do otherwise. I, can, I cannot join those who are grumbling against the Lord because it's grumbling against the Lord when you start saying, eh, it's those who are doing evil now that are prospering. Eh, we too, when are we going to join? Those people have been given to you as a temptation. God knew you would think like that. He wants to see what you will do as a result of that thought. That's not what he said in Malachi. He said, the day is coming. The day that's coming will burn like an oven. He said, those who saw, those doing wickedly, but they did not do it, but they spoke to one another. He said, they are the ones that we spare. As a man spares his own son who serves him. Those guys refused to join those who were doing wickedness, even though wickedness was prospering. There are those, maybe you are doing business, you've learned all kinds of worldly ways. Let me give you the word of God again. You have a few months to put your books right. To repent of your ways. Stop doing the way the world does it. You get back to the markets next time, 
Don't open your door first day. Look at the goods you are selling. Bring out all the fake ones and label them fake. I'm not joking about that. Please listen to me. I don't, care. I don't know what you are listening to me from, where you are listening to this from, but I've given you the word of God. It's not a joke. As we are selling Toyota products, and one man has gone to bring Chinese products, and you, two of you have removed the label, and you have put Toyota. In fact, you printed it. It's finer than the Toyota label. I know the, what the fake will now do. Genuine part. By the way, if it's something written genuine, ask yourself, so the one who was selling fake, what would I have written? When you write genuine on your product, it doesn't impress me. That's what they all write. I say, I will not lie to you. Those who are lying to me, did they come and say, I'm a liar, I want to lie to you? No, now, what I said, I'm not joking about it. So if you have things like that in your shop, next time you go there, pull all of them out. And mark them. Why do you mark this one? Say, we wrote genuine Toyota, bros. May I not lie? It's not the genuine one. We brought it from um, somewhere near Guangzhou. It's made from one backyard shop there. It can serve small, though. If you want, you can buy it. But at least both of us know it's not the original one. And let me just tell you, down this line, that's what we all do. So if you can like get angry with me and go somewhere else. Me, I've told you the truth, though. How much do you put it for? 10,000. How much do you want to sell it now? Well, because it is fake, and I'm repenting. 7,000 naira. No, by the way, if you know spare pass dealers, those guys can be criminal. If the real one is 10,000, you'll put the price of the fake one as 11,500. They'll not give you a discount because you are their brother. So when the guy gives a discount on the eleven five one, and you paid 9000 you feel like, this guy is my man. And if you are like that, let me give you the You know I'm a prophet in some areas. This is my prophetic gift. I know how to judge wicked people like you. If you are like that, he will not die, but your car will knock engine. Everything you make happen to other people. One by one, they will happen to your own vehicle too. And when there's no vehicle to spoil the game for you, God without spoiling your bones. In Jesus' name. This righteousness, we will do it. In this country, people will do what is right. Amen. Yeah, that's my own. We will do what is right. We will do what is right. Some people are tuning off anytime I talk like this. But I tune back on. Yeah, because I'm the only one that's saving your life. All those prophets you are giving offerings to, they are not helping you. The Bible said they furnish these people no good. They're not furnishing you any good. I'm the one furnishing you good. I've told you, you don't need to give to me. That's not what I said. After your money is stolen, who wants it? I want you to suffer all by yourself. Don't join into my family troubles. The people are telling you that you can continue and nothing will happen. They are the ones that are leading you into perdition. Why are you not angry with me? No, why do people get angry when Jeremiah is prophesying? <laughs> Jeremiah is the one that could have saved their lives. If they had obeyed him, they would have had no trouble. They followed all the other prophets. What happened? They all went into captivity. Listen, this is how to save your life as a believer. That evil you have been doing. I told you next week, get back to work, settle down. So normally when we bid for jobs, we over invoice and settle everybody. Because they don't do it again. I want to restructure your country. Say so we won't get a job, we'll say we will close the shop. We'll go and find something else. And God won't make you any promise. 
Just do what is right. Do you know why? Right is right. It's the nature of God. It's the nature of, nature of righteousness. We do it because God is righteous. Not because we're trying to get anything. The temptation of this world is that they will prosper. Doing iniquity is a temptation. Don't forget, there's a time of judgment. So the day is coming that we burn like an oven. All those things made of chaff, they will be burnt up. Many of us are building with chaff the way the world is building because this chaff building thing moves fast. Building your business with chaff, you multiply revenue rapidly. Building your business with chaff, you expand your branches rapidly. But hear ye the word of the Lord. The day is coming that we burn like an oven. Or everything built with chaff will be burnt up. Those people you laughed at, that their businesses were small, but they were building with solid blocks, with concrete, with steel rods. They had a solid foundation. When I shake everything, their so-called small business will be standing. Yours will be burnt up. This afternoon, I read one newspaper, you know, report, and I said, what? One big man died. And right now, the bank and his companies are in court, fighting over 50 billion. Oh, you read it? I said, eh? 50 billion naira in debt, and the man is dead. So the, the, the bank said, okay, you can die. Our money will not die. So they went after his companies. The matter is now in court. Hey, I said, Jesus, it's not as if I doubted you before, but you're just more true than ever. Anytime we see these things. There's one big man that died once, not too long ago. When this man died, his barrier in their city was a talk of town. The biggest musicians came. They said when they read the will, when they read the will, he left about three houses for his wife and children, his wives and his children. And every other thing was to be sold to pay all his debts. Meanwhile, people are thinking that now that he has died, his children have entered into enjoyment. There, there's no, apart from three buildings, there's nothing else for them to inherit. And he's a man that had multiple wives. You don't get the point. When the man was alive, you know, these are people who drive Rolls Royces, who fly around in private jets. When I heard this other part of it, I said, what? And I read this one today. Today, in the morning, I think I was just going through the news. And the bank had dragged the whole company of this man. This man has died to court. Say, so your owner was owing us 50 billion naira. Die or no die, we want our money back. I said, you're owing 50 billion. Okay, what were you even doing? Because these are people that you don't attach their names to any massive company or anything. Listen, all flesh is grass. What am I saying? God said the day is coming that we born like an oven. What are my people supposed to do? Remove all these gods before that day comes. And I'm saying to you, it's in the time of peace you will repent. Before the, let's talk on the positive side. Before the miracle starts for your generation, you repent. Nobody's coming to give an offering. Now, do the way he did. You two also break through. It's not true. Most of what I've done didn't get anything. Those testimonies you hear, they are selected. Half of them lies, by the way. Half of them are what? Lies. Hey, answer me. They are what? Lies. What is lying, Nibu said? A lot of those testimonies are 
Look, I told you, look, if you see what people do, no, listen, listen. God will have to forgive us Christians. So. We have sinned against him so much. In fact, that book around is not three times that size. It's the mercy of God. In one big church, if I mention the name like this, in fact, at least ten of you came from that church, you are going there tomorrow. They gathered for they gathered the leaders. Say, Pastor is going to raise money during today's service. So the leaders say, eh? So when it calls for five million, all of you should stand up. Ah. Somebody say, excuse me. I don't have five million. So he said, when he says two million, stand up. Ah! Excuse me, we don't have two million. He said, it doesn't matter. You don't have to pay it. Just pretend. This was at leaders' meeting. You didn't hear what I said. Leaders' meeting. The leaders gathered. So, one person came and said, we're going to brand. I raised my hand what was going to be five million now? Two leaders stood up. And, and, and three people had to give five, two million. They stood up. All of them. I see. <laughs> Lies. He wrote all of the lies. The person who told me, one of my brethren, I said, you are lucky you are just telling me this. I said, otherwise I would have made you pay that money. I said, no, no. I said, at your level, they did this to you? I said, just thank God that today you are telling me and it happened months ago. I said, because if something happened like last week, I will harass you until you pay that money. You stood up, you will pay. If I tell you the name of the church, even you, you are begging me in your heart not to tell you because you don't want to know. This was a decision made by these pastors. Gather the elders, the leaders of the church. These are deacons and deaconesses. And as I said, pastors they were talking to. He said, tomorrow when pastor says we are giving, he said, stand up. Oh. They said, we don't have money. And I said, it doesn't matter. We just want other people to stand too. We encourage them with your lying self. As yourself. <laughs> as the nation of the congregation. When God wants to punish people, listen. Let me try the truth there. He is about to start, come. That's why I'm warning people ahead. Stop this nonsense. I'm feeling like Jeremiah right now and Amos. God said, for the three sins of Damascus and for four, I will not withhold back his punishment. Please, I'm begging the people of God. Stop this nonsense. What did I say? Stop this God said, repent because the day of judgment is at hand. Don't wait for judgment to start before you commence repentance. Because once it starts, it has become too late. Once it starts, it has become too late. Sometimes even if personally you can repent and be forgiven, the places you build the idols in, I will take all of them down. That's what I'm saying to you. Go to your marketplace on Monday. Next working day, go there. Close your door for a moment. You normally open by 8. Don't open by 8. Just say, oh, we're opening today by 12. Or oh, we're not even opening at all. We are sorting out other gods from the midst of us. We are bringing them out to burn them. Those of you that you are selling medicine, it has expired, it's expired. you go and relabel it. Your, your punishment is doing press up. It's in the gym. Medicine has expired. You just remove the label and put it. Tomorrow they say your child is sick and he has what they call antibiotic resistant bacteria infection. You don't know why. Don't go and buy the newer antibodies. Run to church and lie down and say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. What is Christianity about money? He said it's still good. How did you know it's still good? Did you test it? You say it's still good. How do you know? The person that put the expiry date before is an idiot, right? 
Okay, if your social is still good, leave it on the shelf and tell the person, it expired three months ago, but it's still good if they will give you money. You are see yourself, lying self. You go and change it. You repackage it. And you think God will not judge? Whether you are a believer or not, he will judge. If you are a believer, the judgment is double. My message today is not about the judgment. It's about repentance. I'm saying to you, repent before he comes. I'm saying to you, repent before he comes. How do you know what you are doing is wrong once you have to hide it? Once you have to hide it. I was told once, said that one woman said that she entered the, where she was working with, uh, with uh, uh, I think, uh, I think well, you were the one that told me. Apostle, you were the one that came to say, the woman came for, yes. One, one woman, one parish, came for counseling. She joined a particular force in Nigeria with fake certificate from her sisters. And they now went to church. They are now preaching this kind of nonsense and preaching. Did you hear what I said? No prophetic nonsense. When you are doing evil, you don't like to hear things like that. That's why I call it nonsense. They preach the kind of thing I'm preaching. She now came to a pastor that started to explain why she did it. Her husband is not working. She's not taking care of the family. So she cannot leave. I said, to, I said, go and tell her. If you are so sure what you are doing is right, go and tell your girl. Say, good morning, sir. Commissioner or police for Enugu. I think I'm police, yes. I joined police force with fake certificate. If you can't say it, better resign before God exposes you by himself. See, let me tell you something. God gives time so you can change. God says, okay, you resign by yourself before I disgrace you. What he does is tell you, resign. He says, I need the money. I need the money. This money you need is money of iniquity. I can't. I can't. God says, all right. And that you go to church, you say, by the third time they finish saying, then one day they just institute a probe. Once the probe starts, you now come and say, oh, no, they say, no, nobody's resigning. A resignation is not until the probe is over. Next thing you now start volunteering to go and fight in Ukraine. Why? Because, <laughs> yes, now. Because you want to run out of the country. Listen, the time of peace, repent. What did I say? Say it fully. In the time of peace, repent. In the time of peace, repent. God gives time for repentance. Because he will judge this iniquity, people. He will judge this iniquity. He will. He will. So, Pastor Banky, but I enter university with my sister's result. Resign. I'm in final year. I don't care. Resign. All I do. Don't be stupid. You are old enough to go and rewrite where I can pass. Go and write again. Pass by yourself. Do your own jump. One day, one brother, and I saw you do. He used to come to Enugu here, but he used to hear me on radio. He said he went to university. I forgot how he got to university. He studied computer science. Is that what he studied? He said, Pastor, I never saw a computer. He finished school, went to do NYC. Someone along the line began to hear me preach. He said, The guy said he looked at his life. He said, This is not life. Why was he doing NYC? He registered for WAEC. Did you hear what I said? He registered for WAEC again. Why he was doing NYC? And went and sat for senior secondary school living certificate. I hope you are catching it. Then with that, he now applied for another university and started the first degree again. He said, oh, that is the only way I can live life and my, my conscience will be free. It was during NYC he heard the word of God. The boy said, no, this is not the way forward. He quickly went and did work again. Senior secondary examination. 
I applied to university. When I knew he was not a student, I think um, either in Enugu or in Oka. He was not in, in university, studying again. Said, so let's live this life properly. The other one, one who went to Makori, we met a young man like that. He came to me. He told me a similar story. His, his own, the cheating they did in their own was different. The result was his own. But in a village school, so they just come, they just write on the board for them. So they just copy, and everyone just get A, B, A, just get it anyhow. So it was in a particular polytechnic. That time when I met him, what are you doing? I said, he's farming. He has gone back to farming. Why did he leave school? He said, he got tired of school, he left. Ah, why? He said, the foundation is too bad. That that result he used to enter university, he said, sir, it's not my own. I don't know anything. A, a polytechnic. So how have you been coping? Ha. Huh. I think it was, is it HND that time or one? Or do they do projects in OND? Okay, it's OND project. He said he didn't do that. The lecturer said he should give him some money. So he gave the lecturer some money. The lecturer just looked for one old project, put his name on top of it, submitted and ordered him marks. And when you hear the money, you'll be angry. You know, like that kind of thing, okay, bring me one million. We'll understand that your, your, your stealing is justified by mammon. This one is just stupidity. Maybe like, give me two, uh, three, uh, five thousand naira. I'll find you a project for you. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, there are two kinds of iniquity. There's iniquity that the rational mind can understand. There's one that's so stupid that even human beings will punish you. When he told me, I said, what? So I told him that, okay. I was trying to solve the problem. You know, my head was getting fuller and fuller as so I was counseling this young man. went to Makodi. So I said, okay, what you can do that? Go back, go and read, go and do YK again. At least I said, for your own conscience sake, that you know basic physics, math, you know, geography, English, all those kind of things. He said, sir, that's not the only problem. I said, what thing remain again now? I said, that's your lecture. Just go and do your own project. Forget him. He said, that's not the only thing. No. I said, what else is the problem? He said, I've never paid school fees. <laughs> If you blame Buhari for corruption, you don't know what you're saying. I said, you've never paid school fees? He said, no, sir. How have you been doing? He said, you give the boss some money. He gives you a receipt. I said, oh, but continue farming. Just stay on the farm. Just stay on the farm. Just stay on the farm. Just stay on the farm because there's nowhere else to go. The iniquity is so strong. I, I, I was confused. People live like this. Why? You did not do properly. You're a project you're not even doing at all. School, you've never paid. The guy said he has never paid. People of God, let's just repent. That's why I'm preaching. Repent. Parents who are, are planning for your children to go to special center for the next exam, they will all fail in Jesus' name. Amen. If they repeat next year, they will fail again. Amen. The school, we, the headmaster or, or principal will go to prison. Amen. The white invigilator will not get a job again. White will blacklist them permanently. Amen. Please now, let these young people learn. And if you are a Christian parent, and you are cheating for your children, I'm not going to ask for mercy for you. People like you need punishment, not mercy. You need to be flogged. <laughs> What's your own Christianity about? These children can learn. Just tell them to read. You know, these children, they have intelligence inside their head. 
It's whether you will tell them to use it or not. If you leave them to be playing PlayStation, they won't know anything. Just bring a cane. One of my chiefs those days, they called him that the child cannot learn. He said, why? He said, nobody's teaching him anything. So he left work. He's a military officer. <laughs> a naval officer. He left work and went to the child's school. He didn't tell anybody he was coming. He just sat at the back of the class. He stood behind the window. We were all looking. Looked for his child, saw where he was sitting. So this boy looked. As the child is talking in front, the boys are playing under his locker. So that's why he's not learning anything. So he took leave. Say you? <laughs> you will learn something. <laughs> he went and bought a board, wrote everything on the board, and put a chair and a long stick. <laughs> so the child, the child sat in the chair in front of him. He sat behind, pointing to this is apple. The guy will look, apple, ball, ball, cat. I'm hungry. Come! <laughs> the guy looked like, what? In one leaf, the boy knew everything. <laughs> one leaf like this, the guy knew everything. He's like, I tell my jacket, I just know something. I'll teach him by myself. One day, he used to stay with us in Lagos. His family was in Port Harcourt. So when they showed us, he sent a message to the, to the wife that the children should write what they want to bring for them when it's coming. He showed us the list. Three of them. All of them. The only thing they wrote on the list, books. The only thing on the list, books. Okay, that's the place. Buy me this particular book. There's this novel I have not read. Three children. The only, he showed us the list. Books alone. When he was done with that. Now, soldier, you know. <laughs> children should not be brought up thinking they can sort these things out. We are the ones ruining the next generation. I have many friends like that. I have one in mind now. His father was working at the university. I think he was academic staff. But the father knew people in Unilag. When he was on the right work, the father called him and reminded him that he doesn't beg people for favors. So the guy who wants to go to university, he had better read. Do you know this guy? Okay. He's a neurosurgeon today. Nobody taught him physics. He did not have a physics teacher. His father just told him that, listen, I don't know how to beg. The guy looked himself. Looking, Papa. You know people in this verse, you won't beg. Father said, I don't know how to beg people. Man, this guy carried book. No teacher. He read physics all by himself and got an A. Father just told him straight, I don't know how to beg. But what do we have in this generation? Parents will bring out money to sort. I don't know what to say. Let me not say. I know what to say. I just don't want to say it. Too. Because if I say it, but let me just, my main message for today is repent. Because the judgment of God against iniquity in this nation is about to commence. Once it commences, you will get burnt. That's what I'm saying. If you do not repent before the commencement, you will get burnt. These children you are trying to help, they will be angry with you. Because when God wants to handle them, he will keep them in limbo for the next three years. You will be begging. Ah. <laughs> Why would we say No. You know, these days, everything is thumbprinted, fingerprinted, your whole digital, you know, they digitize your body. You can't hide anymore. When God will arise against iniquity. That's what I'm telling people. Now, the time of peace, just repent, JJ. Go and check it. John the Baptist kept on shouting, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. You know what he did? No mighty work. He kept on shouting, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. 
There was no mighty work. We don't know how long he shouted it to. I suspect it was up to 10 years. Because he was filled with the spirit from his mother's womb. By the time Jesus came, he was also 30 years old, thereabout. And he had been in the wilderness for some time. So I don't think it was less than 10 years that he kept on shouting. Then there was nothing. Then one day Jesus showed up. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Let me just read it, please. There's a reason why I need to read from Isaiah, rather from the gospel. I want to read one from Isaiah, chapter 61. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Stop reading there. You know why you should stop reading there? That was where Jesus stopped reading. You know, there was no verse. He just read. He got to a point. The Spirit said, it's enough. So he closed. I know what that was telling us. Those who repented on that John, he began to heal them. He began to heal them. He began to heal them. Those that did not follow John for baptism, who did not repent of that John, they did not receive anything. They were mocking. Their neighbors would get healed, they wouldn't get healed. Because the time of repentance did not do anything. Why did Jesus stop at that point? Because that was the first phase of the coming of the Lord. It was a time for healing. Only those who followed John could receive healing. The next line say, said, and the day of the vengeance of our God. And the day of the vengeance of our God. Listen to me. What you will find out later is that as he was preaching, he read that other one. He will call them. Say, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves and for your children. He will tell them, say, the day will come. He said, that day, when you see the army surround Jerusalem, those of you who are on the mountaintop, go like this. He said, that's the day that you will say, blessed is the womb that is not bare. Because those who their children went out, they will not be able to run. He said, great tribulation will come. He read that portion. What am I trying to say to you? Those who did not collect the baptism of John, they were slaughtered by the Romans. How do I know? They were not there to hear the warning of Jesus Christ. He said, when you see the army surround Jerusalem, know how desolation has come. He said, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves and for your children. See, those women, Romans killed all of them. Hey. Because those did not really follow him as disciples. Who are just saying, hey, hey, ooh, hey. They were just enjoying themselves. When he was teaching the truth, they were not there. When he gave them the signs, at which they will run, they were not there. The day of the vengeance of God came and they were all destroyed. What am I preaching today? The day of God's wrath against corruption, against iniquity in this nation is around the corner. It is around the corner. God is sounding a warning now to people. You can only repent in the time of peace. When John was baptizing, there was nothing much happening. They were under occupation quite all right. But there was nothing much happening. They could go out in peace and return in peace. John kept on baptizing. Jesus came, gave them a few more years. Once Jesus came, they should have known trouble has come. But by that time, it was too late. The first few weeks of the ministry of Jesus, he was baptizing still. But he did not repent. 
Then the time came, he stopped the issue of baptism. Once he stopped baptism, there was no more door for anybody. He was not there. And he told the story many times. People did not notice it. He explained it about the bridegroom. About the foolish virgins. And the wise ones. He told the story. But people did not understand. So after he closed the door, he began to serve. Then when they finished serving, and the people inside were full. He now pronounced judgment on those who were outside. And the Romans executed that judgment around 70 AD. They leveled Jerusalem. After that, it became a place for Gentiles until just a few years ago. Now, let's go it. God gives us time for the purpose of repentance. He gives us time for the purpose of repentance. If you're a Nigerian, you are listening to me. God says the time is about to come to an end. Repent of dead works, especially if you're a believer. Repent of these dead works. Go to your business next week and say, how am I running it? That is wrong. What are the useless foundations I've laid that I'm building my prosperity upon? Time to dig them up and relay new foundations. When you are repenting and changing things, see, this feel-good gospel is not the true gospel. You are not doing God a favor when you repent. I hope you're getting my point. Like God, I repented. Now, nothing for me. I was going to kill you. You repented. Now, I'm giving you your life. Is that not enough? You expect breakthrough because I stopped stealing. Went to preach once in Abuja. One woman asked to speak with me about the troubles in their family. When I finished hearing it, huh? I asked a few questions. Her father was a, was a babalawo of some sort. She's from the East here. Her brothers were following their father's footsteps in a funny way. They were very crooked. Then one day they all heard the gospel. The father heard the gospel. The boys heard the gospel. And they all repented. Gave their lives to Christ. What she could do understand that things are so tough in the family. Salud, I said, things are tough. What did you expect? You were crooked before. You are no longer crooked. What do you, you think God will not say, oh, my son, you are no longer crooked. Here is a million dollars. No, now. I said, your brothers have to learn life the normal way. What do they do? They are businessmen. I said, ah. They have to learn to do honest business. Honest business does not make quick money. You know, I said last time, you want to dethrone mammon, hate quick money. Honest business does not make quick money. There's no quick gain in honest business. I told her simply, relax. They will suffer for a while. That's the normal gospel. You will suffer for a while. You gave your life to Christ, and now suddenly make you the richest man in the market because of what? If that's the case, everybody give their lives to Christ. I said, it's called a test of faith, a trial of their faith. Relax. It's not a. There's only, I just turned to her. I said, wait, to, you know, something just dropped in my mind. I said, were you planning to go to the village for deliverance? She looked at me and smiled. I said, oh, oh, you were planning to do family deliverance. <laughs> I thought this thought just dropped in my mind. I said, well, don't waste time. You're not, there's no bondage, there's nothing. You people are free. Now you are building it now gradually. Just be patient, be persistent. Eventually, you will get there. So don't go for any deliverance. You're just going to eat your money for nothing. What am I going to say? The fact that you are repenting, I'm not promising. Once you just repent, your business will go from 10 million naira turnover, now go to 100 million. Lie, lie. First, it's dropping to zero. You may have to move out from that big house and move to a small one. Nothing is coming. 
God doesn't just give you because you just repent like that. Now become rich tomorrow. Everybody will join you to repent. Now, even though the people that are not repented will pretend to repent. But you still have to repent. I'm giving the prophetic word. You know the truth? You won't hear too many more times, though. Some people have heard this, and I'm saying now two, three times in the last few months. God says, counting down. Some people, He gave them only five times to hear it. Today's the fifth. After now, you won't hear anybody say it again. And then a kind of funny peace will come upon your heart. Once that peace comes, you're dead meat. Yes. The first time you heard it, you were, you were unsettled. Second time you heard it, you were unsettled. Today, too, you are unsettled. If you still harden your heart, next time, when you hear, you won't hear anything. You come to a place like this, I'll say the same things, it won't register. Suddenly, so you have ease. You can go and read it. Those who die from carbon monoxide poisoning and from cold, the last thing they feel is ease. If I read the story of one man, he was stranded outside somewhere in the cold. Nigerians often don't know about this because <laughs> apart from the top of Mambila and sometimes somewhere in Joss, during sentence, we don't know what cold is. Because cold is Amatan. This is some cold. No. Some people, some, a family died trying to cross by foot from Canada into America a few months ago. That kind of cold. This man was stranded outside. All the while he was trying, you know, he was getting tired. But at the point in time, he now decided to sit down. He now laid down. Then suddenly it became comfortable. The cold disappeared. He was no longer feeling cold. He just wanted to sleep. But he had understanding. He said, Omo, Nadaya Deo. The moment he felt that, he said he got up and started running. He started running by, yes, leave me. He started running. He knew that once he felt comfortable, he was going to sleep what the Bible calls the sleep of death. He will close his eyes and go to sleep. Nobody will find him. He will literally freeze to death. Same thing. People are experiencing carbon monoxide poisoning. For those who don't know, that's why you never use a generator near your window. Even if it's raining, leave the generator inside the rain. Let me bring it close to lie, lie. If you want to bring your gen close to the house, make sure it's close to a wall. No window near there. Because it's in the, in the seeping gently. The after a while, you start feeling more sleepy than before. It does like alcohol. You'll just be feeling, I think I'm really tired. Once you sleep, you will never wake up again. That is what happens to those who don't hear the word that calls for repentance. And the word comes again and again. The Bible says at point comes, there is no more any remedy. I hope you are getting my point. The Lord is good, though. That's not my message for today. Though. That's the prophetic word that came. I have finished discharging it. The emotion in me has gone down. The Jeremiah has now cooled down. Let Banky's anointing now come up. The Lord is good. Luke chapter 16. Remember, we're talking about what? Dethroning Mammon. We've been talking about it. So now he was also sent to the disciples. I'm reading from verse 1. There was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. 
I know what I shall do. So that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. So what did he do? From verse 5, he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? That one said, a hundred measures of all. And he said, take your bill and sit down and write 50. So they issued new invoices, new receipts. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? That one said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Now this is a confusion, even though I've tried many times teaching from this platform to settle it in the hearts of the people of God. But it keeps coming up again and again. It's a difficult portion to understand if you are not careful. Verse 8. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age, he says, are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by the means of the wealth of unrighteousness. So that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. Now please, I'm going to pause here again to quickly correct that verse in the way many of us read it. I read a Bible commentary and he explained that, that those first five words of the Jesus should be read differently. There was a question, not a statement of fact. Am I saying to you, that's what he said. I hope you're getting my point. Make friends for yourselves. Because you see, what you see in this situation was a man who did what we all know to be morally wrong and erroneous. And it appeared to us as if Jesus was commending the action. I mean, so clear. It appears as if Jesus was commending the action. We know that, you must understand, some things are not some people's character. I hope you're getting my point. It happens. One day, I counseled one lady, one of our sisters brought her friend to me for counseling. I don't do such things anymore, but I want to agree to talk with her. They, but she and I spoke kind of privately. When she reported to her friend what I said, her friend is quite close to us. So she now says that, that this was what Pastor told my friend. My wife said to her simply, it's not possible. My husband doesn't say such things. So later my wife asked, ah, did you tell someone super things to do this and this and that? Oh, no, not really to do, but counsel on something. I said, how can I? It's impossible. She said, no, that's what I said. I hope you're getting my point. No, I don't want to give details. But the counsel is so off. Like me, you hear that somebody, one day, one guy actually came, small gist. He came for our seminar with him long ago. So he said, I wanted to see me, that he heard that I help people go abroad. <laughs> I like the way you're laughing. This guy is laughing. He can't control the laughter. This guy came all the way from Osuka. I'm not joking. Came for Kingdom World Seminar. At the end of the day, he called one of our guys that he needs to talk to me. They said, what do you want? That he hears a pastor helps people go abroad. After we reasoned about it, we just made up our mind that somebody was deceiving him. The person wanted him to come and hear me so that maybe he had this, you know, this I must go abroad thing. So the fellow heard that, okay, go and hear Pastor Banky. Maybe you will settle down. It's the kind of thing I was saying. What am I saying? So imagine Jesus saying that we should do things like this. Won't you wonder how many Jesus did Mary, when he gave birth, the twin of Jesus Christ is preaching for him today. You know that kind of thing. I travel, I'm not around then. One guy comes looking at that like me, takes a pulpit and says, you need a plan B. <laughs> and a lot of people say, pastor must be joking. <laughs> Then my wife now said, no, it's not him, it's his twin brother. 
The Lord is good. So the point I'm making is that obviously Jesus could not have been saying what many people thought he was saying. He doesn't say such things. It's not his character. Absolutely not. And that's why Bollinger explained to us when I was reading his commentary that this was a question Jesus was asking. He said, and do I say to you, is this what I'm saying to you? Because I've commended this man now. So the direct interpretation that will come to your mind is that make friends for yourselves by the means of mammon of unrighteousness. So that when he fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. That's the first contradiction. Your friends do not have eternal dwellings. So Jesus could not have said, do this, because they don't have eternal dwellings. But the next line easily tells us what he was saying. Verse 10, he said, this is what I'm saying to you. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in what? Much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have been unfaithful in the use of unrighteous mammon or wealth or money, mammon, who will entrust what? True riches to you. Can you see that? Jesus was saying that, listen, what you need is what? True riches. No one will entrust it to you if you are unfaithful. He said, and if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Notice what Jesus said. If you want your own as a Christian, you go and sow a seed of money. True or false? False. What seed do you sow? Faithfulness in that which belongs to somebody else. Once it's not your own, just be faithful there. It can be federal government, be faithful. It can be state government, be faithful. It can be a private business you are working for, be faithful. It can be your father's business, be faithful. It can be your friend's business, be faithful. It can be a job you just pick somewhere, be faithful. Once it's not your own, that is where you sow your seed. One of the things I find a lot, of, a lot is crass unfaithfulness. People don't care. Because of my children this morning, <laughs> something led to it. We're about to pray in the morning. And I asked my wife one question, and she gave me an answer, and I said, Kai, that man did that. I said, why is it that God wants to bless people? And some people say, no, you won't bless us. Because they come with blessing, we don't want. Why? I said, by their actions, by their deeds. That God is always looking for a reason to bless people. One of the things he does is give you the opportunity to activate a blessing. That's why he will say to Abraham, despite the fact that he had promised him, yet it allowed him an opportunity to activate it. So he could say, because of this thing that you have done, surely I will bless you. By myself I have sworn. Ah, was that not why he called him in the first place? What does that tell you? The calling was to train him. And the point in time he gave him the opportunity to activate the blessing. Every day people get the opportunity. Most, most people... They bungle it deliberately. Jesus said, you want to have your own, be faithful in that which belongs to another person. But the world teaches unfaithfulness as a habit. Friends encourage them, their friends to be unfaithful. See your father's business, you want to die there. Do you know how much money the man is making on your head? I believe it, Joe. Any friend talking to you like that is a satanic agent. The satanic agent, an agent of Satan, an agent of Satan wants to ruin your destiny. Delilah. They have come. They're about to shave your hair. You're about to lose your anointing. Let's continue reading. The Lord now said, No one can serve two masters, 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot save God and mammon, or wealth, or money. Now, I'm going to stop reading there for a while. Let me say a few things and I close. Now, please notice this. We're talking about dethroning mammon. Began the last time. But this prophetic message took most of my today. But let me just start what I wanted to teach us today. Then if we don't finish it, even though I am hoping I will finish it. But if we don't, we'll continue the next time. Dethroning mammon, I said there are things we do. First, mammon is dethroned where? In the heart. A foolish man says in his heart, there is no God. So it's in the heart that we do these things. So we dethrone mammon in the heart. Last time I said, first thing, I was given a number of points. First one about dethroning mammon is what? Hate quick gain. Hate it. Hate it. I want you to hate quick gain. There are many scriptures. I wanted to compile them to read out to us, but time won't allow. But there are so many of them. God does not want us to like quick money. It's not a great thing for a young man said, I want to be a millionaire before I'm 30. The person is a stupid person. Leave him. Don't follow him. It is good for a young man to bear his burdens when he's young. What you should be saying, before I'm 30, I want to have learned this thing. Before I'm 30, I want to be able to do this. Forget what you are going to make as money. It's irrelevant. It's not necessary. Hate quick gain. You know, God doesn't want... You know, last time we were in Port Harcourt, remember, one young man asked a question. He said, what, is there anything wrong with wanting to be rich? I said, yes. There's everything wrong with wanting to be rich. I said, they want. I said, he said, anything wrong with being rich? The two questions. I said, want to be rich? Yes, it is wrong. It's like sin is iniquity. That is with the word of God. Not joking. I don't think I will explain. I'm not explaining. I have explained. Being rich is not a sin. Wanting to be rich is a sin. The Bible says if you want it, you will pierce yourself through with many sorrows. You will pass through many hurtful lusts and pierce yourself through with many sorrows. That's what he said. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Why do you therefore want abundance of things? When it doesn't matter to your life. I know the young man was surprised. Most pastors tell them that if you sow your seed, you'll be rich. I don't say that. Don't want to be rich. Just want to serve God. Want to do what is right. This is the word of the Lord. He will make all grace abound towards you. You will have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. Just leave it there. Say, the Lord is your shepherd, you will not lack. The young lions may suffer hunger, they may lack, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. That's what he promised. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You don't need to want to be rich. But you know what he will do? By himself. He will make wealth flow towards like a river. And the wealth of the nations as an overflowing strip. It's his decision. Don't keep your mind on it. He doesn't want you to put your mind on it at all. Told the young man, don't want, do you, do you get my point? Don't even use style to want it. Don't try and bribe God. You know, if you give me money now, I'll be able to give you plenty. God said, why should I give so you can give me? Can you use it myself? <laughs> Some of you say you want to do with money. God said, I'll give you another way to do it. Don't involve money. Just leave it. I hope you're getting my point. Please bear this in mind. Alright? We said one, hate quick gain. It's number one, where you dethrone mammon. Number two, we ended with, last time was what? Be generous. It's a sign that you don't love money. That you are not serving it. That you are willing to let it go. Be generous. Make generosity a habit. Please, let me say this. Generosity is primary. Let me put it this way. Giving is first in our lives. 
Giving is first. It's not something we do with leftover. It's not something we do with leftover. That, okay, when I have nothing else I'm doing, I can now give. When I satisfy all my needs, no. To give is a need. Do you get my point? Paul said those who are not working, they should go and get something to do. Why? So they will have something to share. To be able to give to those who are in need. That was the primary assignment Paul gave to people. Now find something for goodness sake. Don't waste, don't be idle, staying around doing nothing. Find something to do so that you have something to give. That tells you that Paul expects, God expects, he was speaking through Paul, that we give us a habit. It's a sign of faith. It's not that an enemy does that can collect. No. Just as you eat, just as you live, you breathe. God will periodically bring opportunities for you to give. Be generous and be ready to share. Number two. Number three, I added this one to it. Even though I didn't develop it at all last time. And today I may not be able to develop it. In fact, what I really want to preach today. I will go there first. Introduce that one. Then all these other ones will develop it again next time. Number three, I said stop looking at what you are doing as a source of your sustenance. It's an issue of the heart. Now, bear those things in mind. Let me now explain why I read this scripture. Jesus said, this man wanted to make preparation for his life after retirement. After, after they were sack. After sack. What I would do is to go and buy what? What's the word? Favor. I'm going to buy favor. I'm going to do what? Answer me. Buy favor. That's the reason why I read that. That's the key in that scripture. Jesus said, this man understood something. That what you need in life is favor. Now, he is going about this the wrong way. He said, but my people should understand also. That what you need in life is what? Favor. So they should go out and also buy what? Favor. How do they buy favor? Two ways. One he that is faithful, is one way, not even two ways. He that is faithful in little will be faithful in much, number one. Number two, he that is faithful in that which belongs to another person will eventually get the favor of having his own. Two ways. Now, listen to me. This man, how did he get his favor? Fraudulently. Defrauding his master. But Jesus said, listen, he doesn't know better. He wasn't saying it is right. He wasn't saying it was right. What was he saying? He said, check the people of the world. They are very aggressive in their own method. They know their method. Listen, some of the powerful people, politicians you talk about in Nigeria. Let me not mention it. We are streaming. If you know how they spend money, they don't hold anything back. They wake up in the morning, they have 10 billion naira. They go back at night, there's nothing remaining. Sometimes they're not even sure where the next 10 billion will come from. But they don't hold back. You are coming to church to tight. They don't tight. They are sold out. Completely. Yes, if I give God 10%, God will not. Their own is, ah. What are you saying? So that's, that's, I spoke in tongues. I hope you can interpret. Give the interpretation. Say, whatever it takes, we will give it. Whatever it will take, we will give it. These guys will do anything. 
I'm not supporting him. Neither was Jesus supporting this man. But Jesus said, listen to this. Can you see how committed these people are to their own thing? He said, please, I've noticed something. My people are hardly that committed to their own thing. Now, notice the points. Point number one, what we need is what? Favor. I'm going to end with that. In this life, God structured life for us to live by favor. See, I gathered a lot of scripture. Time will not allow me to show that from the beginning, it has always been favor that blessed people. It has always been favor that lifted people. Always been favor that provided for them. It has always been favor that took people from one level to another. At the beginning, when God said, I'm destroying everything, the Bible says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. We'll talk about it next time. Let me quickly round this off. If you see, when he was talking about Jesus at the end, he said, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and in favor with God and with man. What I wanted to preach to you today is for you to believe in the God of favor and the favor of God. That's number one. And number two, to learn how to labor for his favor. Let me end with this, a few stories. Have you ever heard it before? Federal government just helping that go That's why he's making it. Have you heard that before? No, have you heard it before? Now, don't answer this one. No. Have you said it before? Don't answer. If you have ever said it before, and you said it in such a manner as if nonsense, you don't know anything. Did you hear what I said? You know nothing. If you say it as a matter of you are analyzing politics and economics, I can forgive you. But if it's with this, you know, this derision in your voice, hey, it's not better than the rest of us. Federal government just helping him. You are talking nonsense. What am I talking? Why am I talking nonsense? The only way people move forward in life is through favor. That's number one. Number two, people qualify for favor. So if you say somebody received favor, you should be asking yourself, what did he do to qualify for instead of you looking down on favor? Because you will never go anywhere to until somebody helps you. You are worshiping mammon. You are a godless man. You are like Esau. If you think it's your own effort that will take you anywhere in life. Oh, get it. You won't go far. You are running against men. They are wearing you out. You are talking about running against horses. You think we become great running with men? It's horses. Somebody has to give you a chariot. Man pulled by two horses, both of which are stronger than the challenges against you in life. Life. You go forward only by favor. As children of God, we need to learn how to tap divine favor. See, there's a story I like to tell once in a while. Let me tell the story and I end with it. How many people have read this book, Richest Man in Babylon? It's a book that was trending at the time. It's a good book. It's a nice little, it's not a Christian book. Akkad, that's his name, right? Was called by the king of Babylon to come and teach the men of Babylon on how to do business. He was called because he was very rich. And he knew how to do business. So he told the story of his life, how he learned to do business. And how he was mentored by a man who was very wealthy. The things he was teaching them were the things that that man taught him. But after we heard the whole story, there was something many people overlooked. The wealth he had at that time, which gave him the right to talk, was not made that way. Actually, he inherited it. The king called him, come and teach us how to make money. 
And he came, he sat down and began to teach. The king called him because he had plenty of it. He was a big businessman. He controlled resources. Then he began to teach how to build wealth. And many people overlooked the fact that the wealth that gave him the right to talk was a gift. Many people overlooked that. And that's what I want to emphasize to you today. Don't ever forget it. If somebody, don't ever look at anybody and say, eh, just because somebody helped him. If he said that, you don't know life. Because it's the only way you will move forward to in life. The only thing that we are forbidding, I'm going to end here, to do as Christians is to seek somebody's favor. I don't know where I get my point. I'm forbidden. I'm forbidden to come to you to try and seek your favor. I'm commanded to seek the favor of the Almighty. But I should recognize the Almighty. If you see, Jesus increased in favor with whom? With God and with man. Now, what happens is that when you have favor with God, it will manifest as favor with man. But who that man is, thank you, you don't know. Who that man is, you have no idea. So we don't kill ourselves trying to get favor with one person. But let me introduce this to you. The fact is that the only way you will go forward in life is through favor. So what do we do as believers? We spend our energy, spend our effort trying to get what? Favor from God. Knowing that God will send us help at the right time. See, because we are streaming, we can't tell so many stories. I don't want to keep switching off and all of that. Some of the people you call rich today, when you hear their stories, before some of us will laugh. No, there's no need to laugh. For whatever reason, they got their favor. But what brought them to where they got to was favor. You You know them today. And there is nobody on this earth that can rightfully say he became something great because of his own energy. Nobody. What you just do is you exercise yourself in the things that position you for divine favor. I said to us last time, God had his insurance, uh, what do you call it? His pension scheme. He had it. He had it. But he gave a commandment. He said, children, you will show favor to what? Your parents. He called it honor. He said, you will show favor to your parents. Without that favor, you can't move forward in life. What I'm saying so is this, please. I said something earlier that my children and I were talking this morning. That God is looking around all the time, trying to help people. And so people are telling him every time, don't help me. They always give him reasons why I shouldn't help them. They scatter somebody else's business. And they want God to give them their own. God says, no, when I want to give people businesses, I go around looking for those who have been faithful in that which belongs to another person. When I want to give people plenty, I go around looking for those who have been faithful in a little thing. You probably are working somewhere now. They are not paying you much. And you think it's justification to wake up at 8. Every time you get to work, you have a story to tell. There was hold up. You know that thing that it annoys me when people work for you because they hold up. I said, this hold up is at your junction every day. If you wanted to come on time, you should have adjusted when you left the house. My wife used to work in UBA those days when we first came to Enugu. We're living in Transekulu. Transekulu has always been like that. How many of you live in Transekulu? Aha. Uh-huh. You know that your bridge? If you don't cross it before 6.30, you're OYO. 
You're on your own. I used to live in Upper North Fifth. It was always like that. My wife used to work in UBA. For, at the time she was in Station Road, then Campus. Campus is the other end of town when you're coming from Transekulu. She hardly ever went to work late. Hardly. Why? It's simple. She knew she had to cross the bridge by 6.30. Because once 6.30 passes, and you are still on that side of Transekulu, and of course, the way they do in the bank, 7.30, you're supposed to get it before 7.30. 7.30, they lock the door. So you can't come at 7.35 and see you're only five minutes late. When they lock the door at 7.30, you wait for customers to come in at 8 o'clock. So <laughs> they write that you came in at past 8. And like your guy used to say, it's an appraisal issue. <laughs> so when I hear some of those stories, people, they keep on feeling justified simply because what? How much am I being paid? Meanwhile, God said, he that is faithful in what? In little. That's what he's checking. He left you dead deliberately. He combined the two to make life easy for you. You'll be faithful in little and in another man's business. If you're a Christian, you're looking for divine favor. What you will do, you will kill yourself for that business. Why? It's divine favor. We are working for it. We are working for it. That's what he said. Am I the one that said it? He said, it. look, if you want me to give you your own, please be faithful in another person's own. No matter how little it is, no matter how little you are being paid, I am out to check faithfulness. I said something at the beginning. You can give all your excuses. He may not punish you, but he will never bless you. You have an excuse every time for always coming late. For never delivering on time. You promise somebody you'll do it in one week, you don't do it for the next three weeks. You have the excuse. There was power failure. There was diesel increase. What else was there? It rained when I did not expect the man who was supplying me disappointed me. Have your stories. Keep telling your stories. Your stories will spare you judgment, but it will never buy you a blessing. Some of us have been telling stories for a long time, so we're on one spot for a long time. Because they deliver yourself. Fight hard. Struggle. You enter to the kingdom how? With violence. By force. Let me stop you here. Bow down your heads. Just give the Lord thanks. Just say, Lord, we thank you. Let's say, Lord, we thank you. Just give thanks. Pray a simple prayer. Say, Lord, show me favor. It's a simple one. Say, Lord, show me favor. Favor, favor. That's what I need. Say, Lord, favor. I need favor from you. Show me your favor. Show me your favor. Now, a second prayer point. Say, Lord, teach me what to do that I might activate your favor in my life. Very simple prayer. Say, Lord, teach me what to do so that I will activate your favor in my life. Pray that prayer. Say, Lord, teach me what to do so that I might activate your favor.